Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Debrief, where the theme of today's episode is civil disobedience. We sat down with Sunrise Movement members Rowan V. Wade and Kevin Engel, who were arrested last term as part of a sit-in protest on the Parkhurst lawn. Throughout the course of this interview, news writer Charlotte Hampton gets to the bottom of exactly what happened that night and sheds some light on the Dartmouth New Deal, which is what they were fighting for. I just want to talk to you a little bit about your experience after the recent arrest and your Dartmouth New Deal bill that you guys mm-hmm. have put together. Um, so to start, can you guys tell me a little bit about the moderation process between you and Nancy Vogel? I know that she was coming in and out of Parkhurst while you guys were in the tent. Tell me a little bit about what that was like. Um, yeah, so after handing the Dartmouth New Deal to Dean Scott Brown and Casey, the director of SNS, um, they went inside of Parkhurst um, and we sort of just waited in the tent for a couple hours probably. Um, mm-hmm. Eventually like SNS came and they, they stood um, at the, the entrance of the tent, sort of preventing us from, like physically preventing us from like leaving and coming back. Uh, and then Nancy Vogel came out. She came inside the tent uh, and spoke to us a little bit. Um, what was she talking to you guys about? What would it have taken for you guys to, you know, get up out of the tent? And what was she offering you guys in exchange? Yeah. Personally, I wasn't even aware we were in negotiations with the administration. Um, she came to us talking from the perspective of someone who's been involved in activism for a while, trying to, like, develop that, like, mm-hmm. personal rapport. She, she approached us under the pretense that she was acting as a third party because she is a, a reverend, um, and so mm-hmm. she acts separate from administration or faculty even. Um, so she was speaking to us more so as like a, uh, someone who's just trying to look out for us and uh, check up on our like, well-being. Right, and it would have made a big difference to you guys if President Bylock had actually been the one to come out and talk to you. Yes, and that is even something that we asked her to communicate to the people inside. Mm-hmm. Right. Did you get any response on that, or...? Um, no. Um, well, she said that her counteroffer was at some unspecified future date she would consider meeting with us, but we were told that members of the administration were inside the building, and they could have come and talked to us at the time. You know, we were completely peaceful the entire time. I also think this isolation of the event to just the two of us doesn't encapsulate the entire story. Like, there was two of us in the tent, but it had been a range of people who had been in and out mm-hmm. of the tent throughout the night. Yes. Um, and there was probably 15 to 20 people who were outside the tent yes. peacefully demonstrating with us as well. And so part of it is we wanted the conversation not to be just isolated to the two of us, mm-hmm. but to also include the students' voices who were also demonstrating with us and who had been demonstrating with us for over a week at this point. Right. Right. So now that we have a little bit of background on what actually happened that night, I want to ask you a little bit about the statement mm-hmm. that you published in the D yesterday. So you wrote that the administration's accusation that the demonstrators threatened violence was a lie. Mm-hmm. So you called that out. You said it was a complete lie. Then we noticed that you amended the Dartmouth New Deal mm-hmm. to add some nonviolence language um, to make that clear. Why did you do that? So we've been adding um, footnotes and Within that, for full transparency, we put the exact time that we edited it. Um, we're very clear that like we are not trying to retroactively go back and do things. Um, was there any communication with you in the administration that night about that phrase? No. We never spoke about any of the contents within the New Deal. Um, it was not even clear to us that they had read or received the New Deal. Um, 
And we also offered, you know, one of the negotiations, which we weren't even clear were negotiations with the administration at the time, was that we would, you know, peacefully get out of the tent if they could just acknowledge that they read our demands. And they refused to do so. Right. So the fact that you amended the past language, does that imply that that language could have been perceived as violent? No. Um, we stand by the fact that, like, this is language that has been used for generations of, you know, activism work. Do you know what the response to the that language was when it was first published by Dartmouth students? We had dozens of students look over this document. Like, I think it's also important to clarify that it was not just the two of us who wrote this document. Mm -hmm. um, right. And so no one out of the dozens of people who read over this document and looked at it ever thought that that implied violence at all. Right. And I think the reason why we left a footnote is because after the administration released this statement and started spreading misinformation that we were somehow violent, um, there was then concern because if, of the statement the administration right. released, which is why we added the footnote. Right. I do not believe that the way they behaved was appropriate. They claimed within their statement that there was six hours of negotiation, which is right. simply not the case. Um, we never even negotiated to a faculty member. Right. Um, we spoke with Nancy Vogel, who then relayed information, um, which we're not even sure what happened inside right. the Parkhurst. Um And even if you know, it was the case that we were violent people, the way they responded, they, they charged us with criminal trespass, not um, for behaving violently. And, and it's also important to note that the threat of arrest was made prior to um, Dean Scott Brown even receiving the Dartmouth New Deal. Right. Um, they wanted us to remove the tent immediately um, mm -hmm. for tr criminal trespass, and that right. was always the, the intent. Right. Yeah. So I want to get a little bit more into the blowback um, after the arrests. So during an October 30th protest, at which both of you spoke, um, there was chanting of, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. So for Sunrise at Dartmouth, does that involve the abolition of Israel? I mean, from the river to the sea means, you know, from the Jordan to the Mediterranean, right? Which implies that we are abolishing Israel. Um, what we are considering is more of a one-state solution that is not divided based on um, ethnicity or religion but where people can be all democratically represented. Okay. And then another uh, call in the protest was, by lock, by lock, you can't hide, you're supporting genocide. So your group is calling from divestment, for mm -hmm. divestment here, divestment um, from Israel. So I want to get a little bit into the actual portfolio of Dartmouth. What does divestment mean to you guys? One way is like war profiteers, um, such as like Boeing and uh, Raytheon, um, and like like in, like institutions which are which have direct ties with faculty, and which. Um, so Dartmouth owns shares of those groups. Yes, and then also they recruit off of our campus. So when you guys talk about divestment, you're talking about ending recruiting on Dartmouth campus, and you're also talking about abolishing the board of trustees regarding the abolishment of the Board of Trustees is more associated with the fact that the way the college currently functions is not responsive to the needs of students. You guys gave a list of about 30 demands to the college in the Dartmouth New Deal saying, you know, this is what we want to see by January 3rd. So the document is super comprehensive. As you've said, 
It covers things from giving reparations to Native American students to, you know, divestment from apartheid in Israel to reformatting some of the library catalog. Um, What would a response from Dartmouth look like to you by that date? And I think we, to a degree, articulated this within the Dartmouth Mm -hmm. ideal. Obviously, we don't expect the college to be able to fix the housing crisis in two months. Right. Um, But what we are asking for is an acknowledgement that the demands have been read, that they are being considered, and that progress can be made moving forward. Right. And the fact that Bylock chose to arrest us rather than acknowledge she had even looked at the document shows the fact that that's actually, you know, something that is going to be a fight to achieve. Something you guys have also called for is for the resignation of Bylock. That has been one of the signs your protesters, one of the signs on the Parkhurst lawn. Why focus on her? This feels like something that's kind of an administrative issue. It feels mm-hmm. institutional. You know, the, you guys are naming members on the board of trustees that have been here far before Bylock's mm-hmm. tenure. I mean, this is something that's happening in the first two months of her being in office. Why mm-hmm. Bylock resign and not abolish Dartmouth? Yeah, so that's not our focus. Okay. You know, what we are seeing with people saying by like resign and like bringing those posters and signs to rallies is because people are angry with the way that she handled it and so i think naturally there is going to be anger directed at her we are not focusing our attentions on bylock that was only circulated well created and circulated after the um after her response to to what happened friday yeah well, do you guys believe bylock should resign I think whoever replaces Bylock will likely serve the same function of upholding what Dartmouth currently serves to uphold. With Dartmouth. So when you guys were sitting in the tent, what, like, what's your focus? You know, like if, yes, Dartmouth has all, the, all of these institutional problems. Do you have, like, one call to action that you want Dartmouth to change? Personally, this is, and this is my individual um, perspective. Um, you know, I'm tired of talking people off the ledge. And, um... What do you mean by that? You know, like, uh, in terms of, like, I've been contacted by way too many people who are like, I need support or else I'm going to kill myself. And that's a lot. And it's a lot when you're working through the functions of administration and you keep saying the same thing into the void and they don't respond. So the problem for you is the mental health issue at Dartmouth? No, the problem for me is that all of these issues are intertwined, and you can't isolate any of these issues. So would you say that the problem is with Dartmouth as an institution? Yes, in the way that Dartmouth functions in the fact that they don't listen to students when the students come forward and have needs. And so my intention, I was never under the illusion that Bylock would sign a piece of paper and meet all the demands of the Dartmouth New Deal. I've been an organizer for four years. I know that's not how it works. What I am coming at this from the perspective of is we need to start a conversation about how we can change how Dartmouth functions within society, how it functions locally. We need a complete revisioning of the status quo here. Right. As students to Dartmouth, as students at Dartmouth, though, you have some commitment and some role upholding this as an institution, though, correct? Yeah. I mean, I'm here because I'm on financial aid. Um, 
and I do believe like I can make some positive change in the world with my education that doesn't mean I have to side with what the institution overall chooses to uphold how about you what's your focus here you know, if, you, if we have a 30-page, or not 30-page, 30 30-demand 30 list, like, what is, what speaks to you? Why are you in this? You know, this is, the Dartmouth New Deal is, like, a huge rejection of Dartmouth as an institution. What is your call to action here? Um, I don't think the, the, the purpose of the Dartmouth New Deal was to, was to, like, I forget your, your word, like deconstruct the institution of Dartmouth. Okay. Um, it's, or maybe it wasn't deconstruct, like overturn or, or something like that. Um, it's more so just focusing conversations around ways that we can make positive change. But correct me if I'm wrong, when you guys were, you know, stationed people on the Parkhurst lawn 24-7, that was in with calls for Dartmouth to divest, correct? That wasn't in conjunction with the New Deal but it was rather for Dartmouth to divest. Yes, um, so... You know, you had the black flags, you had the Dartmouth divest sign, yes. so I'm just trying to clarify so that. So that occurred um, kind of impromptu okay. after the vigil on October 19th. Um, immediately after the vigil, we were informed that they were gonna remove the flags and people were still there mourning. And so we were like, no, we're gonna be here for, for the sake of physically taking up space and to make our like grief visible in a way that the college was not providing the space for students to do so. How so, is the college not providing space for students? Well, you can to do see that. within all the, you know, within the fact that the statements released by the Palestine Solidarity Coalition and El Nur were censored by um, college listservs. How were they censored? They were, they were taken down from college listservs, and then there was an email that came out stating that they would not allow those like statements to occur. The fact that we asked for a memorial to all lives lost to be made and they refused to do so. A memorial anywhere on campus to all the lives lost refused, the college straight up refused to make that. It looks like the fact that President Bylock went to the vigil mourning the lives of Israelis lost in the conflict but sent cops instead to the vigil mourning the lives of both Palestinians and Israelis. So pretty much like how it how it happened was like we were told that the flags would be removed within an hour. Um, people stayed. The hour passed. Um, as it progressed into night, we decided to just stay. Um, to be With there. no particular call, just to keep the flags up. Well, no, just to be present when they do come to take the flags because I think it, it was important for people to um, be present when that happens. So that's how the sit-in began. Yes, and then they what did, would you guys have done if they had tried to take the flags down? We would. We've we've said on multiple times that we would not have prevented them. You just would have watched. And we've said and we've said that to Casey, and we have video recordings right. of that. Um, so when did things change? When did it become less about the flags and more about the Dartmouth New Deal? So, for for clarification purposes, we had been planning on releasing the Dartmouth New Deal for a while mm -hmm. on October 27th because that is a global day of action regarding right. environmental justice. Right. So there was a climate rally on the green um, that was permanent and everything. We were planning on releasing our demands on that day. That was before everything happened um, regarding the vigil, regarding you know October 7th. Um, so we were planning on releasing the Dartmouth New Deal on that date. We believed that we could still um, provide a space and platform 
the struggle for Palestinian liberation, as well as the Dartmouth New Deal, given that the struggle for Palestinian liberation is centered in the Dartmouth New Deal, and like these are intersectional struggles and they should right. be acknowledged as such. But would you not say that there are some contradictions in the messaging here? I mean, you have like both mourning for Israel, Israeli and Palestinian lives with the flags, and you have people calling, you know, chanting this phrase that suggests the abolition of Israel. Then you have people carrying Bylock resign signs and, you know, but this other feeling that you guys have both expressed that it isn't necessarily Bylock that's the, is- that's the issue. There are some real contradictions within, you know, what we're fighting for here, right? I mean, when you view all of those as, as one coherent event, but the, I think the that if you if you order those in a chronological order, it, it makes sense. We we feel the college is trying to derail us by making us focus our energy and time on the fact that Kevin and I have been arrested and are now dealing with threats to our safety, harassment, um, a lot right now. So again. I apologize for the fact that we do not have a thesis to present to you right now, but one will be coming shortly. Kevin, do you want to go ahead? Um, yeah, the, the question was, like, why, like, what motivated me to... Yeah, to, just, you know, yeah. tell me a little bit about what your final thoughts are. Yeah, so, like, the week, the week leading up to the launch of the New Deal, um, it, it was very important that I, you know, volunteered my time. I spent a lot of time at the, mm-hmm. the vigil. It was very important to me that... Um, administration could not just have come in the in the dead of night when no one was there and, and remove all trace of, of mourning. Um, it was important that at least one person was there to witness when that happened. Um, and as for like why I uh, you know stayed in the tent and, and was arrested Friday, I mean I believe it was my right to, to be yeah. there. Um, and I do not think that Dartmouth as an institution um, and you know you, you can say by a lot but like Dartmouth as an institution right. um, I don't think that was an appropriate reaction. Since we recorded that interview, there have been developments in both the criminal and administrative proceedings surrounding the incident. Our producer, Quinn Hall, spoke to news writer at the D, Kelsey Wang, who covered the story. I'm Quinn Hall, and I'm here today with... Kelsey Wang. So, Kelsey, can you tell me who you are and what you do for the D? Um, I am a 27 at Dartmouth, and I am a news writer for the D. Great. So, like, the, the topic for today's discussion is, can you kind of provide an update for um, the story about the two protesters who were arrested in October? Yes. So, since being arrested, um, Wade and Engel have been charged with criminal trespassing. Um, that is a misdemeanor offense that does not carry jail time. And both of them have been arraigned, and they plead not guilty. So, can you tell us what... Arraigned, like, what does that mean for people who don't really know? Yes, so they were basically, um, the court read to them what they're exactly they were being charged with. Um, in this case, they're being criminally charged with trespassing on college property. Okay, and like, what does what does that carry? I mean, can they be arrested, um, fined? I mean, what is if they're found guilty, what would happen? I believe it is a fine. Okay, so there's no jail time. No jail is, time. Okay. So what's what happened in the administrative here? Um, both of them were given probation from the college for disciplinary reasons, which means if they violate any college policies, they will basically face expulsion. 
um, and they were specifically given probation because they had trespassed on college property and camped on college property and had disturbed the college's regular functioning. Um, and they specifically were told that they were not given probation for violent behavior, which is what a lot of people initially believed had happened. There are a few people we want to thank in the making of this podcast. Thank you to our colleague at the Dartmouth, Charlotte Hampton, for her interview with Wade and Angle, as well as our producers, Abby Hughes, Jack Coleman, Eliana Stanford, Quinn Hall, Ryan Penny, Ella Von Baer, Eamon Hansa, Ellery Futch, and last but not least, our executive editor and editor-in-chief of the D, Kristen Chapman.